might imagine I can't really name sources. You know, I've never in my entire life burned anybody and wouldn't start now on your podcast, Ben. Hello and welcome to the Nashville Sounding Board, the podcast dedicated to discussing social and political issues in the Nashville community. I'm your host, Benjamin Eagles. My guest today is Joey Garrison, who has for the last six and a half years been a reporter at the Tennessean and before that reported at the City Paper. So has been a reporter here in Nashville for a decade and is departing to go to Boston. Uh, We're doing this interview on Thursday and then tomorrow you're leaving. This is your last day at the Tennessean. Yeah, that's right. Tomorrow. uh, Thanks for having me on, Ben. And yeah, tomorrow will uh, be my last day at at the Tennessean, also ending about a decade of reporting in Nashville, and then yeah, next week it's it's off to Boston. Will be uh, where I'll be a uh, reporter correspondent for USA Today, uh, reporting on kind of all things Boston, including obviously politics up there. Very exciting. Well, thanks for coming on. Wanted to start off with a couple fun questions for you. Anyone who follows you on Twitter knows you're a big sports fan. So when you're launching your sports podcast. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I've always thought about that. The only thing, you know, I used to think maybe I would go into reporting about sports years ago, but I, I kind of don't know if I could separate myself from being a fan and a, a uh, reporter. You often talk to sports reporters. I think it makes them, you know, you can't exactly be rooting for the uh, uh, for an NFL team while you're reporting on, a, you know, the Titans or there. So, I mean, you know, I, I kind of like that. More as a as a as a hobby for myself, but you know maybe I could do a podcast. I think, and there is sort of a sort of a new wave of almost fan reporters. So you know maybe there's some room for that. But uh, yeah, I hope I haven't annoyed too many people who follow me on Twitter with all those sports, uh, particularly Titans and Vanderbilt basketball over the years. But you know is what it is i think people can live with it i always told folks you know unfollow me if you don't want to see them <laughs> you might confuse folks once you're up in boston they're like who yeah. what are the doors do they what what yeah vanderbilt basketball you know and i think they probably are barely aware the titans are even an nfl franchise so that's going <laughs> to throw them off too you know the good thing about i, I do think i'm going to hit the tail end of the belichick uh brady dynasty so you know i think it's inevitable you're going to be a uh, you know, just an epic demise at some point, and I'll be able to watch that firsthand. So, I mean, because, again, these guys are not getting any younger. Surely this isn't going to go along for uh, too many more years here. You say that. We'll so, see, yeah. So this next one, I lowered my expectations for one of these three choices because of the recent performance, but you got to pick one. Pred Stanley Cup, Titans Lombardi Trophy, or a Vanderbilt Final Four appearance? What will happen first? Which one would you rather see? Um, are you talking about championship or, or appearances? Well, for Vandy, I just said Final Four appearance okay, because yeah, yeah, I can't so dream big enough to uh, take, a, take a title I mean, there. Boy, I don't even know how I could choose there. I mean, I, I you know, I love the Preds, but I probably go to more um, Titans and Vandy games. You know, Vanderbilt in the Final Four, because uh, I'm assuming that would be such a buildup to that. I would almost place that number one. But, you know, then I say that, and I don't know, Titans winning the Super Bowl. I, I guess I got to go with Titans winning the Super Bowl, although that's a close. All three of those are close. I think the most likely to happen soon, you got to say, would be the Preds winning, winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, right. You know, they got a good size window, I think, to capitalize on that. So ho- hopefully that happens first because I think that's the most likely to. But I would like to see, um, you know, again, I saw the – 
Titans come here when they're the Oilers playing playing at Memphis, Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. kind of seen their rise here. We were my family was season ticket holders throughout, uh, so I'd like to see that probably one followed closely and almost tied with a Vanderbilt going to the uh, Final Four. So we got some insight into your background there, lifelong Nashvilleian. Um, people, of course, very familiar with your reporting, but may not know much about you personally. Uh, how, how did you get into journalism? Yeah, I mean, I had been follow after college. Uh, you know, I'd been following uh, closely, uh, me- you know, metro politics, and I needed a job, and I uh, got introduced to somebody at. Uh, the Green Hills News, uh, what it was called, still around. It's sometimes called the News, but we call it the Green Hills News. I think most people kind of do, and it was owned by a guy. Uh, he died recently, Gary Cunningham, and I needed. Uh, I saw, I learned there was an opening for a staff writer reporting position. Uh, I hadn't really reported before; kind of dabbled on in stuff in, in college and high school. Uh, but I got introduced to the editor there as a guy named Sandy Campbell, who was a former cartoonist at the Tennessean, but also had, you know, reporting chops. And he wanted me to prove that I could, you know, put together a basic story. And so he gave me assignment and he told me to, you know, I think it was like a, a festival, the, the cultural festival or something like that at this at Centennial Park, the festival of cultures. He said, go over there and just find some story. And I got, so you know, went over there and walked around, talked to people, and I think I found something regarding, gosh, it was somebody, you know, some character, there, some person that I found who was part of that, kind of featured him a little bit, and, and the fact that the festival was going on and just came back, wrote a basic story, and that that was kind of good enough. Uh, I think they realized that I knew uh, Carl Dean had just been elected mayor at the time, and I, I told them, look, I think think I could focus on, on reporting on, on some metro stuff, but also a lot of schools things. We were kind of writing for an audience of a lot of families and that kind of thing. And, and so I was going to kind of split my time on that. And they hired me um, and ended up working there for two years uh, before I was, uh, before I saw an opening at the city paper. And that was with my buddy, actually. We weren't friends really at the time, didn't really know each other, but a guy named Nate Rao uh, left the city paper to go to the Tennessean. And I immediately jumped on on that opportunity. You know that was that was what I was wanted. To, uh, I really wanted to do uh, was uh, kind of be the the Metro beat reporter that opened at the time. The city paper, of course, isn't isn't around uh, at the moment um, uh, anymore. I think it closed like three years ago. Um, but anyways, I, I, I jumped at that and was hired by Liz Garrigan at the time, and you know been, been kind of reporting on city stuff ever since. That's great. I think I first met you when you were a reporter at the City Paper, and I was organizing workers at, at Vanderbilt, and you came and did a story on the dining workers there. Yeah, I remember Laid that, off yeah. during the summer. I think you pitched me on that quite a bit, uh, leading up to it. But, but it was a good story. I'm glad I, I think it got to – and eventually that issue got uh, resolved kind of in your favor. Well, in the workers' favor, right? Slow progress yeah. there. Slow, slow yeah. progress there. But I remember, yeah, the – I think the photo for that was Brenda Goldthread, who'd been there for like 43 years. Yeah. And still, it was just an amazing story. But um, what is what is something that most people probably don't know about your background? Um, well, I guess one thing is because you call me a lifelong Nash, Nashville, and that's because I – but that's not totally accurate. I was uh, grew up in Illinois um, in a small kind of farm town in southern Illinois where about the closest city – to you would be either 
Evansville, Indiana, which is about an hour away, or St. Louis, Missouri, which is about two hours and some change away. And so that's really where it's from. And But we moved down here in 94 when I was 10 years old. So I've lived here most of my life, but I guess that'd be one thing. And then also that I went to college in Memphis, actually, Rhodes College. There's obviously, uh, as we know, always a rivalry between those two cities, but I've always really liked both of them for different reasons. And so I also have some roots there. I was uh, particularly disappointed. I knew the trade was coming, but for Marcus Ole to get dealt today, big Grizzlies fan. Yeah, I just fan. saw that. I mean, that's, you know, I was rough. thinking, I was telling somebody, you know, I think there's pretty much always been a Gasol on that team. There has, the yeah, entire time. The entire time. Because, yeah, you had Powell traded for Mark. Yep. Uh, and even when Powell played there, Marcus Gasol went to a local high school there. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your move to Boston uh, for the USA Today network there. Is your beat in Boston going to be pretty much the same thing that you do here, kind of local government, local reporting? No, not really. I mean, I'm going to, you know, I'm kind of a national correspondent for a a national publication. So I think anything, you know, it's not going to be like to the nitty gritty of of local reporting like I do here because that wouldn't be interesting really uh, to a a national National audience. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, but if there's like a real – you know, local fight there politically that has, you know, broader interest um, or, you know, court cases going on that, that has national interest or just some issue or a person, you know, where, you know, I, you know, that'd be interesting for, for people to learn about. That's kind of the things I'm going to be looking at. And it'll be so it'll be a lot different. I'm going to be doing less, you know, worrying about whether I, I beat somebody to the latest story or scoop or whatever more. Uh, it's going to so it's going to allow me to, you know, flex kind of like a different reporting muscle and, and learn what I can do in some other areas. It's going to be a really wide open beat. So I'm going to have to to to, um, you know, be willing to jump into a lot of different things. I mean, I, I'm naturally kind of inclined towards a lot of political things and public policy. So I assume that's going to, um, you know, encompass a lot of what I do. I mean, I guess imagine it, you know, often in Nashville, we get sort of, you know, some national stories written about us, whether it's from the New York Times or or others, you know, on our, uh, I remember over the years, some of the things that stand out to my mind are, you know, the fairgrounds fight. I remember the New York Times did a story on that. Um, uh, a lot, our, our our struggle with short-term rentals and, and bachelorette parties. So these are in, interesting issues going on in that. I'm going to find those English kind of, only. Yeah, English city. only. It's city phenomenon. All this stuff, and I'm I'm just trying to give you an idea of, of of how that you know what that might look like. There'll be kind of Boston versions of of what I think are 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 big stories that uh, people would be interested in reading if they were you know in Nashville, Tennessee. That's really exciting. So. Of course, having worked for the city paper and for the Tennessean, going to make you pick which one was your favorite. Um, well, writing for the Tennessean was. I mean, it to sort of jump into that seat uh, for, for, for the main daily newspaper, uh, which you know has a big legacy in this city, and what I think is you know the most interesting beat in the city. Um, I, I could have moved to. You know, I thought about over the years going to you know being the state reporter. Uh, actually, I was announced as the state house reporter for a time over the Tennessee, and then Michael Cass, uh, my predecessor in the Metro Beat, left to the go to the mayor's office. That opened that up. It was going to be. It came at a time when we were the city was going into a mayor's race. I was like, man, I gotta 
jump over there and be that beat. And so um, anyways, I to do that for the Tennessean and, you know, that was where, you know, that's that was sort of reporting-wise for me, that seemed like kind of the, the ultimate thing. So you covered education for a while too here, right? Yeah, I did. So believe it or not, when I was at the city paper, I covered uh, education and Metro. So literally every Tuesday night, I was at either a school board meeting or a Metro Council meeting for three years. Um, Every single week? I shouldn't have taken this lifesaver. I don't know why I did that. But (laughs) sorry. Uh, Yeah, every week. I mean, that was what I did. So I didn't have much of a life, I guess. But just just on Tuesdays. Yeah. So so, but then I was hired. Actually, Nate, who I who I got to know a little bit, he kind of recruited me over to the Tennessean. They hired me originally for something called like the digital reporter. All right. It was, and you know, I, I didn't really know. I think they had an idea that there'd be like a lot of video or something, but it was like really, I think they hired me because they knew I was well sourced and all this stuff. And so I started off over there kind of writing about a little bit about everything without any particular narrow beat. And eventually uh, the education beat opened up. I started doing that specifically, which made a lot of sense because I had a background in uh, education reporting for the city paper. And so, I got there at a great time for education reporter because there was just this huge uh, fight going on about uh, real charter schools in, in Nashville. That was really kind of early in that uh, charter boom in the city. And in a larger sense, there was a big fight going on about you know a lot of education re- uh, reforms coming at the state level with the race to the top legislation that had been landed by Governor Bredesen and then his uh, successor. That uh, Pinkston just uh, – Will Pinkston, yeah. school board member, just wrote this really long-form piece yeah, apologizing yeah, yeah, for I his just, role and in I that. looked into that, yeah, and uh, I read that story – or his column, I should say, and there were so many uh, episodes that I was kind of front and center reporting on. And so, you know, that, that was uh, – I mean, it, it, it wasn't a technically a political beat, but it sure felt like one uh, given the, the many, uh, you know, different – Things that played out. In it. I mean, n- namely the, you know, the Great Hearts got a tip that uh, a group of West Nashville parents were kind of meeting to try to take advantage of the new uh, open enrollment charter school law to to build a, a school um, that would be, you, you know, essentially be in Green Hills and um, kind of it would be it was build as, you know, it would be kind of a mixed income group of parents that would be, uh, uh, you know, feeding into it, but it would solve this problem where not all kids can get into Julia Green Elementary or some of the high-performing elementary schools Mm -hmm. over there. So, you know, this that sounded like a, you know, that was a big story, I thought, because pretty, you know, all our charters to date had been in low-income, at-risk areas. This would be something different. Uh, They were, you know, kind of testing that law. And and I also knew that this was going to be deeply controversial because a lot of people were going to say that you're going to try to cater to a uh, purely, you know, white uh, student population. And uh, so anyways, it it evolved this push. I I learned about a meeting that was, you know, a group of influential leaders had, uh, city leaders, uh, West Nashville parents largely. Um, And it evolved into recruiting with the help of then Mayor Carl Dean and and some of his allies recruiting Great Hearts Academies, which was a uh, Arizona-based charter uh, to come in here. Anyways, it created 
They got denied by the school board after long, long debates about it. Uh, it evolved into getting uh, pu- pushing to for a new state law, uh, charter authorizer law that ch- would allow the state board to approve uh, charters that were denied on the local level. And so it was uh, it was kind of one of my first forays into you know real multi layered political fight like that. Um, I could go on and on about some other things, but it was a it was. A, Took a, you know, education and you know, metro covering the mayor were both what I was what was focusing on while at the city paper. Which did you prefer? I mean, the more education focus or kind of the metro focus that you have now? Probably the metro focus. I mean, obviously, I left the education beat to take metro, and mm-hmm. that was because we were embarking on that 2015 election for right. mayor, which I knew was going to be wide open. I like I couldn't imagine myself not reporting on that one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I probably would have been bugging the hell out of the person who was reporting on it. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I I liked a lot of the education stuff. And, and maybe that's even maybe a more important beat ultimately, uh, you could argue. But I kind of had – honestly, the charter school fight was occupying so much of what I was writing on. And I got a little tired of that. Maybe that was to a fault where I was, I was, I was focusing too much on that. But it just kind of – you know, I'm like – you know, am I going to continue reporting on the same stuff over here and these same? I felt like I was paying too much attention on on kind of uh, real surface school board fights and that kind of thing. And and you know, this is going to be you know the metro beat in a city one that's growing uh, like it is. Uh, there's so many issues that that opens up. It's kind of a uh, you know a more to be be where. Being a versatile reporter like I think I am, where you can jump to Chittery area where it's affordable housing or um, transit or the pure political component of it, you know, how Metro interacts with the state, all these things, you know, I thought I, that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, so I would definitely say Metro for me personally. It makes sense. You did have the luxury, I guess, of covering the peak of that charter fight. I mean, it's still. It's still there. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tamped down fights. a little bit now. The fight seems to be more over the future of Sean Joseph. Um, right. When I was reporting, I was, um, I guess, I reported education from the time where they hired Register, basically when Chris Henson was interim back then. After Pedro Garcia, I kind of reported on education from there till Register's exit. Generally, um, but hey, I mean, it was, you know, I could easily make a case for. Enjoy, you know, with any beat that has lots of good stories. I mean, that's a good beat to have. And education in a big school district, there's tons of issues going on that people need to find out about. And so, yeah, that's a fun one as well. Uh, you mentioned covering the mayor's race in in 15, and of course, earlier today, this morning, you sat down with Councilman John Cooper, and then you published the piece explaining that Cooper is not going to run for mayor. What's your eye on? This fall on this campaign, of course, the only two candidates yet declared um, the incumbent, Mayor David Bradley, and then John Ray Clemens, state rep. Who else do you think will jump in? What is your well? Yeah, first of all, I mean, I think that Cooper getting out. Shouldn't say getting out, but I really thought for a long time he was he was going to run. But him not running, I think, is a sigh of relief for for Briley. I mean, I, I think that Cooper would have mounted a very serious 
uh, challenge, and he would have had a really good case. Not well, I sh- should say he he would have been able to articulate a ca- case against Briley. I mean, you've seen what kind of the fiscal arguments that Cooper has made over the years, kind of challenging the the big ticket. Um, you know, economic development incentive agenda of the last three mayors, really. You know, Cooper has been a, f- a voice against that, and I think he would have been able to put that in the campaign. He would have been able to probably uh, be pretty well financed. And so, you know, that is – it's helpful, I think, to to Briley that, you know, he doesn't have to face John Cooper in the, the, the months ahead. You know, the big question now, there's – other others who are considering it as well, but Bill Freeman is the one people were talking about um, and what he might do. Um, he told me uh, on the phone later today, or after I talked to John Cooper, that Fre- that'll make a decision in the next four or five days. Uh, so I think you could expect probably by the early uh, early in the week, Freeman, you know, spent uh, a, about three point eight million in personal uh, money, personal loan money. In the 2015 race, and over five million overall toward his, his campaign, and finish a disappointing third place. Um, um, and, and so, there's obviously that is a big part of his recent background in, in Metro. But he would also be a real, you know, serious contender, and would really, you know, ramp up this race to a kind of a full fledged mayor's race. And so. Uh, We'll see where he goes. I think that's the next chip to, to to fall, what his decision is, and I think that'll impact whether some others might get get in there as well. I mean, if it remains just Briley and John Ray Clemens and maybe a couple others, then it's still a very uh, – it's still a, a race that, that Briley is going to have to take seriously. I think John Ray presents a real challenge as well. I mean, he's, you know, uh, you know very articulate on, on his – Causes and he's gonna, you know, be somebody Briley will have to take serious, and I think is gonna make him have to really work for it. And you know, I think Clemens, if things go right, could could perhaps win it. So I mean, we'll see. But the Cooper decision is a huge one uh, for the mayor's race. Do you think Bill Freeman would do would have a better chance this time? The field's a little different. Uh, of course, Fox was kind of running as a as a partisan conservative. Megan Berry, of course, excited. Uh, a lot of people on the left. Do you think Freeman would be able to carve out a better path this go round? I mean, I think if he would, if if things stayed the same, but if if no other candidate got in there, um, but I don't know whether that would be the case. So, I think a lot of people would tell you Freeman would have made the runoff had Howard Gentry not gotten in in 2015. I've, Gentry was the last one in there. Uh, Freeman yeah, was the got in very late. among African American voters. Freeman was the only one else who who. He basically split among Gentry, so you know you could maybe conclude that if Gentry didn't get in, Freeman would have at least probably gotten towards eighty percent plus. That gets him at least to a runoff. You know, you're probably looking at Barry versus Freeman in a runoff. So, I guess Freeman could be looking at it, um, you know, in those kind of in that kind of context, like, hey, you know, and he also did well for, as you were kind of alluding to to conservative voters in the outlying parts of the county. I mean. Donaldson, Hermitage, uh, uh, other folks around kind of the periphery of the county. So maybe, you know, I'd have to, again, it's too early to really size that up because I still think other, you know, I know Jeff Obafemi Carr was was thinking about running last, uh, in the story I did, kind of the turn of the year. Um, Erica Gilmore is, is thinking about running for I suppose either mayor, maybe even vice mayor. Um, others could emerge. I mean, we have a 
this is a weird race because um, typically we don't have uh, real serious incumbent challenges. Of course, Briley is not your ordinary incumbent because he has held the office less than a year after coming in uh, following Megan Barry's uh, resignation. And then he uh, won kind of what was a real quick shot uh, uh, special election. And so, but uh, whether Freeman would have a better chance again, I mean, I think it just depends how that final field uh, shakes out. Talking about all the stories that you've covered, what's maybe the one story that you covered that gave you the most satisfaction professionally? Um, Proudest of. I'd have to think about that. Um, well, let me put it this way. When you applied for jobs in Boston, um, what were some of the pieces that you included in your portfolio, kind of as examples of your work? Well, I mean, I, I guess one thing that I obviously cited was, uh, in terms of reporting I was proud of, was the series of stories during the the scandal that, that hit the mayor, former Mayor Barry. I mean, that was obviously fresh in a lot of people's minds. And, and I'm not proud of the subject matter. I'm not proud of what you know, it was never an intent that somebody would have to resign or anything like that. But, you know, that was a delicate story uh, and one that required some, um, you know, a higher level of reporting than maybe uh, I had often been used to. And so I'd probably say that one. That issue would be something I cited quite a bit. Yeah, certainly probably your most read series of stories. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, like, that was the biggest Metro story that, had, you know... Ever? Had, well, this Maybe. happened since I've been following it. Yeah. No, I mean, again, you know, you know the whole context there, but you're talking about a a mayor that, that seemed to be on a path towards, you know, she was very popular and she was, you know, somebody who it was really beloved in the city. And this was something that just came out of you know, left field the most. And, you know, it was really rocked the city. And so to be kind of in the front lines on that, you know, and I'm not, you know, again, I'm not saying I'm proud of that story. It's kind of a weird way to put it, but it's just something, you know, I'm proud of my reporting uh, on it. It's kind of a nuance there. So that makes sense. So many others, you know, too. And, 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 you know, stories that were maybe more impactful for people on a on a personal, you know, people's lives and people's struggles, you know, than that one. But again, that was, I guess, it's sort of most fresh in my mind because it was only you know less than a year ago. Absolutely. Uh, now, was that a story that Phil Williams broke? I know he had the interview, the 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 exclusive sit down. But what what did that? Well, walk I mean, me I, through what happened yeah, when you so, first heard about that. Well, I mean, I had an exclusive sit down as well, um, and we we both, as far oh, as I know, yeah, print and on, yeah, yeah, we had embargo. So, I mean, I think maybe he he had talked to her right before I talked to her, and then we both have various embargoes. Um, yeah, you know, I gotten, you know, people were tipped off to it, and I started asking for records. Learned, I think, that a TV reporter had asked for him as well. Figured it was probably Phil Williams, um, and. You know, I think the mayor at the time, uh, again, I think he said this as well, Phil. Uh, I don't think there was any smoking gun. We didn't have evidence that there was this affair. But I think instead of having a bunch of stories about overtime hours with this guy, you know, from this guy, Rob Forrest, and out-of-town trips, you know, that she could may- she could just admit it 
and kind of frame it as a personal issue and then this, you know, kind of move on from there. Um, and so that's what she did. And, and she, you know, decided, I think, because we were the only two who had requested stuff first anyways, I think that's why, uh, you know, she sat down with us and I think our stories, or at least my story, I can't speak for, for his uh, his work. My story went up either like 4 o'clock or something that day. And then I think she had a public, uh, I'm sorry, press conference 7 o'clock that night, which I thought was kind of, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if having that press conference was maybe the best idea that night. But, um, yeah, that's what they decided to do. Yeah, looking back on that day, that was a that was a painful press conference. Yeah, I mean, because I th- some of the people asking some of those reporters there didn't really know what they should be asking about, and so the the line of questioning was at sometimes odd, and it was kind of just painful in general. Yeah, and I guess it was going to be right. I mean, like, there's no great way. No to, it. Well, there's no great way of putting this out there. I mean, they. I don't know. I mean, it's uh, hard to say what the best communication strategy is there. But yeah, I mean, that was a, you know, that day, and then obviously the days that followed. I remember I had I was there for that whole week, but then I had a friend's wedding in Mexico the next couple days. So that kind of was annoying because, well, I mean, I was glad to be down there. But I, the whole time I was like looking to see what was being reported up here. So I think I was gone like that Thursday, Friday, and then was back the Monday. So so the, the number of journalists in in a city like Nashville has plummeted. There used to be two huge daily papers, Nashville Banner, which Steve Cavendish is reviving as a as a nonprofit, as well as the Tennessean. Of course, you still have the scene, uh, but just the sheer volume of reporting is much lower than it has been. What's the most frustrating or, or hardest part about covering local politics? And I didn't mean to bias your answer there. Well, I mean, sometimes you feel a little stretched, like there's you know too many issues to get to. But, you know... I I, I, you, you hear a lot of – I guess the most frustrating stuff is is you hear a lot of uh, moaning and, and groaning about the, the the state of journalism. And then you know you actually have a, some committed reporters who could make more money doing other fields. They're usually mostly very, you know smart people who could be doing other things. They're deciding to do this and they actually are reporting some good stuff. So I mean it is kind of – I think frustrating for reporters to to hear that kind of discourse out there. Um, it's but the, a lot just the discourse that there's not enough, right? That that local media is is dead, basically. That you know there's there there is truth that there are fewer numbers, and we are you know I mean I think a lot more things are getting missed uh, you know than there were 20 years ago, 10 years ago. But I think you asked me like what was the most frustrating part about that, right? So right. that'd probably be my answer. I mean, it's just kind of annoying. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to – it's like, you know, gosh, I put four stories up today. You want me to <laughs> – we're not doing enough local political coverage, all right? I mean, so, yeah, that kind of gets yeah. on my nerves a little bit. And I know, you know, other people are busting their ass too. And so, uh, you know, but, I mean, it, it does uh, – as somebody who obviously as a reporter, I see the real need and the public good in what we do. And so it would be great – for there to be more than there used to be, and and it's, it is a struggle for the industry to keep uh, to figure out how to to make it a revenue maker. And so, um, you know, I obviously sympathize with those challenges, and I know that you know my line of work, um, you know, is one that that 
always isn't the steadiest because of those challenges. So, you know, that's obviously uh, something uh, uh, that's frustrating as well. And yeah, the fact that I can't get to everything uh, or and we can't get to everything, all my coworkers, um, you know, that's something that's, you know, unfortunate and something that hurts, you know, as you know, because of those fewer numbers. So yeah, I mean, but, you know, I guess those are my general thoughts as somebody who's kind of yeah. working in that, uh, with that challenge. So I guess it was two weeks ago that uh, Gannett announced a series of layoffs at a couple of different regional outlets, as well as there were um, layoffs at BuzzFeed and a few other sort of national outlets. So in that environment of kind of layoffs nationally in the field of journalism, and also there were a couple cuts here at the Tennessean, what do you think the kind of future for local journalism is, and, and what's the internal vibe of a newspaper during layoffs? Well, I mean, obviously it's not great when there's layoffs, but it's unfortunately something you're kind of kind of used to over the years. Uh, but, you know, you obviously feel bad for your colleagues. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Obviously, um, in terms of what the future is, um, you know, I, I mean, I still think people are willing uh, to pay for uh, something that they can't get anywhere else. And I mean, I think that, uh, you know, and that obviously and then, by the way, that's not something that I'm I'm not paid to find the answers to reporting. So but, you know, I do think that if, if you're, um, you know, producing something uh, that that you can't find anywhere else that people are in local news, uh, I would put in that, uh, you know, categories as such. And so I think people will, you know, continue to pay uh, for that. I do think that, you know, the nonprofit model is very interesting too. And I, you know, actually in Boston, like there's the, the New England Center for Investigative Reporting that does some really great stuff there and partners with one of their two NPR stations. And so I think that's another great model. And I think they're, you know, but, you do kind of, you know, as you go through this, you do ponder, like, what is it going to look like 10 to 20 years from now? But, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer. So, you know, I just, uh, I'm, I have a, a company that's been really good to me that's, uh, you know, uh, employed me to, to report stories on stuff I like. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to have that. Sure. So let's say you buy a winning lottery ticket. And you decide, for whatever reason, to use some of those winnings to become a publisher. Who do you hire for your news and editorial staff? Mm, I don't know about that, and I wouldn't want to to offend anybody by not saying them. Fair. Yeah, I mean, I I know I, I've had so many good uh, colleagues and uh, editors over the years that you know I wouldn't want to leave somebody out, and so I don't know. I mean, I've always. Like my buddy uh, Nate's reporting, I'll mention him for sure. Uh, Nate Rowell, I think he looks at Metro a little bit different than me, than me, and and sometimes is able to explain something. Uh, I've always thought he's really good at explaining a uh, an issue in a real basic way that uh, the maybe maybe I get caught too much into the to the wonkiness of it. And so I think, and I think he's really good at investigative reporting. So I'll just say I'll definitely include him as one person. Gotcha. Yeah, you've you've reported on a number of things together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who is taking over your beat at the Tennessean? Big well, shoes to fill. Yeah, it's actually uh, a woman named Eon. Uh, she moved here recently from uh, Phoenix, where she was at the Arizona Republic. It'll be a combination of her and Nate uh, early on. But 
I believe the intention is kind of she'll be taking it over full time. She was actually at the council meeting uh, this past Tuesday with me. Where you got recognized. They had a resolution in your yeah, honor. Yeah, it's true. I wasn't expecting that, but, uh, you know, it was a good gesture and one I'm thankful for. So we've kind of talked about stories in which you were really proud of the reporting that you did. What's maybe the best story idea that never ran, either because it didn't work out or the editors didn't choose to run it? Nothing I worked at was spiked. I mean, I would, you know, uh, so I wouldn't, I can't say anything on that. I mean, uh, but let's see. I mean, there's probably a handful of stuff that I started working on, even started writing and then just got shifted a different direction. Um, Funny enough, I was telling Cooper today, I had visited uh, him like two or three years, kind of right when he had emerged as a real critic of the Barry administration and some of that. I was doing this, what was I planned to be kind of a big profile on him and looking at, you know, who he is and interviewed him for him for that. And for some reason I got, I can't even remember what it was, but it, I got kind of pushed to a, something else came, about, came up on my beat. And so, but there's some of those things that have popped up over the years that uh, ended up not writing. And there was no reason, I mean, it was for usually no other reason than it just didn't, um, you know, work out. And then maybe maybe the hook kind of went away and the time factor, you know, fell apart. So so a couple of years ago, you sit down with John Cooper, you're interviewing him. Knowing Nashville politics as well as you do, who's the most interesting politician now who people may not know about? If you were doing that process again, trying to go and interview someone, do a bio, who would you pick? Oh, of somebody folks don't know about? Yeah, I mean, are you saying somebody like maybe outside of council or? Open to your, your yeah, reputation, I, I guess. Well, Ben, you really stumped me on this one. I don't know. I mean, maybe I would have written that story already if I thought there was this one person. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. I, I, Clever answer. Yeah, let me get back to you on that. And uh, yeah. I, so you mentioned Michael Cass before, uh, who, of course, is speechwriter for uh, the mayor, took a leave of absence to be the speechwriter for Carl Dean on his campaign for governor. Would you ever consider working in an elected official's administration? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Not something, you know, I like more kind of observing it from the sidelines and, and, and not being one of the actual, you know, I like analyzing it and, and thinking about it and reporting what the, the powerful are, are, are doing. I, I don't think I'd want to be an aide and I've never pursued that. On a similar note, would be remiss if we didn't talk about the impact of PR firms on the profession. Um, here in Nashville, the PR firm McNeely, Pickett & Fox, of course, ran the transit campaign last year, uh, and similar firms wield tremendous political power. And in general, those jobs pay more than uh, reporting gigs. What happens if you arrive in Boston and a vaunted PR firm says, hey, Joey, we got a, we got a job for you? Would you ever consider that? Oh, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't pursued that down here. So obviously, right. you know, I wanted a my fiance got a job in uh, Boston and I wanted to stay in reporting. And so uh, it actually took me, uh, you know, I've been, I've been continuing down here working while looking for a job up there. And, you know, I wanted to stay in reporting and do it. So that's why, you know, I, I'm, you know, moving up there. And so I don't have any plans to, to, to do that. So. Yeah. Well, hey, 
Good for you. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in 20 years. I, I just can't rule it out. Yeah. Don't, well, I, mean, I just don't know the answer. Yeah, but I could be doing anything. I don't know. Yeah. Totally fair. Taking off, I know you're still employed by the Tennessee, but taking off the reporter hat for a second, you rarely kind of get to share your own opinions on issues as a reporter. You've seen Nashville through this boom. What are kind of some of your ideas? You're in council. Uh, your attendance record in council is better than a lot of the council people. What are some of your ideas um, for things that the city should be should be focusing on? Or well, I mean, better? I'm not an advocate, so I'm not gonna say they should be working on anything in particular. But I think the city in is kind of in this this uh, tug of war between residents and kind of like our kind of this tourist economy and, and developers and the growth. And, you know, I mean, I think that that kind of plays out in a ton of different issues. And I think, you know, I think the the mayor and, and the council, the mayors, whoever, you know, I think that's going to be for the f- foreseeable future. They need to probably figure out how to, to walk that line where you're, I think it's just kind of reached a peak level of, of residents you know, seeing short-term rentals, you know, surrounding their their neighborhoods and pushing out low-income people and minorities from from neighborhoods close to the uh, close to the city and walking over bird scooters on their way to work. I mean, this <laughs> kind of, you know, seeing their houses torn down and built with with tall skinnies and and seeing the latest tower being encompassed by short-term rentals. And, you know, I mean, I, I think there's just this larger debate here where a lot of Nashvillians feel like they're losing out to, to something bigger, something with more money. And, and some, so, you know, again, I'm not saying that as advocating that those issues, that's just something that I have observed. I mean, I think that that kind of Mm-hmm. crosses into a lot of different areas. I just named a couple of them, but can almost, you know, I think that that felt to many on why the transit thing lost is that didn't feel to some, to most Nashvilleans like it was something that was helping them. It was felt like it was instead sort of the new thing being pushed on them by, you know, this, um, you know, kind of larger power structure in the city. So I think it's a long way to say, I mean, I just think there's this kind of, tug of war going on right now that that the council and the mayor they're certainly aware of it and they've been in the middle of that fight for several years now but it's something i think at some point some tough decisions are going to have to be made on it i think that that sums it up well the one thing i know you have an idea on pertains to the council meetings that you sit through and on tuesday so two nights ago you sit through um just a beast of meeting and then yeah. you got out of there after 1 a.m so you have an idea there. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I mean, I think maybe Dave, we can get this yeah, done Councilman, for your replacement. Well, Councilman Dave Rosenberg tweeted out late today where he had a breakdown of all the meetings past five hours. And there, I think in the last 13 months, so in 2018 and 2019, there have been six meetings that have been longer than five hours. And I think in the you know, 10 years preceding, there have been like four total or something. So something's going on. And really what it is, is there's so much growth going on that you have a ton of public hearings for rezoning issues. That's the main reason. I mean, I think the council should consider creating like a third meeting every month that would just specifically be for public hearings. I don't think that'll happen because, and and this really, I don't even know if it is a huge problem. It's maybe just for people who are having to attend these meetings like me. So maybe I'm saying this selfishly, but I mean, you know, this isn't like one of the top issues in the city, but I mean, I do think that it might serve people well to put all those on the, 
a different meeting as opposed to every other, you know, regularly scheduled meeting. Um, I don't know, just an idea that I have. For example, the other night, some council members were trying to debate, you know, the merits of a $15, $16 million in public infrastructure for Nashville Yards. You're doing that at 12.45 a.m. Ultimately, the votes were there overwhelmingly, but, you know, I do think that if there's going to be a debate about it, it should be at a time where people are plugged in and able to pay attention and have some and energy. So, yeah, have any remote, you know, and so I think that would probably be a good idea, but I doubt if it ever happens. I think it'll probably just kind of continue to as it is. But the next council, the next council term would would have a chance to change that if they wanted to. Pretty frustrating if you're watching a council meeting and you're waiting for them to debate basically the most important issue on the docket and you got to sit through four hours. I actually think for the debate itself, it's like these council members, I'm sure after sitting there for four hours, five hours, now you're getting to this one issue. Probably not a lot of yeah energy to talk about it too much at that point. Everyone was just exhausted at that point. You start thinking about what the next day is going to look like. And so I don't know. I mean, you know, six of these meetings that have been five hours plus in the last year uh, seems a little ridiculous to me. But the other thing besides these public hearings, I mean, the council members themselves, like I'm seeing more, like I feel like they're, everyone kind of wants to weigh in into an issue. I understand that. But sometimes you get half the council weighing in on the same resolution, as was the case, I think, with like that NES non-binding resolution the other night. I mean, how many, I mean, I, I don't know. At some point, it's kind of like, maybe just take a vote, you know? And then <laughs> I mean, it got deferred. Yeah, yeah. That was an unusual one where then ultimately it was deferred, yeah. so Waste of time. Yeah. So I have a couple kind of final questions. What advice would you have to a college student or a recent graduate who is interested in a journalism career? You know, I think any kind of internship would be a good idea. It's something I didn't do, but I wish I had. I mean, the the college students that work on a part-time basis at the Tennessean via internship, I think get a, get a lot out of it. So I think that gives you a chance to both get some experience and, you know, a look into what what it's all about. And then I actually heard, uh, as you're asking this question, I heard John Glennon, a sports reporter who's now at The Athletic, ask the same question. I thought he had some good advice. And that was to, you know, make sure you leave time to do, you know, kind of a story that you think is kind of a special story, one that you think could be something that goes on your clips that you show people. Um, it's hard to do sometimes because there's a lo- lot of expectations to put stuff out, you know, quickly to kind of push the website and that kind of thing. But make sure you're doing something that, you know, you would want to, you know, talk about and, and put out there and, and, and discuss. Kind of a deeper, more investigative piece or something. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be that. I mean, it could be, uh, you know, a really good profile on somebody or it could be really breaking down some issue or – but, you know, something that, that you think uh, would really sell yourself. Hopefully there's someone out there listening and feeling inspired. Um, what are you going to miss most about Nashville? Probably all the people that I know. I mean, again, part of what I loved reporting on this city was was I really cared about this city. And I, I got to, to know uh, people in the city. And I really felt like I was kind of – I hate to use the word kind of like – no, I won't use the, the, the word. I was going to say maybe kind of like it was felt like a public service kind, kind of thing. I would, I would use that word. But, you know, I, I did feel like I really put it upon myself to do the best I can to, you know, I was, 
I have a lot of respect for for Michael Cass, who, who was the Metro reporter, came before me, and I tried to kind of match what I thought you know he brought to the table. I thought that was a lot. So, and through the, through all that, I just met so many interesting sources and people, and I don't know if I'll ever be as sourced in anything I ever you know report on again, and, and know you know where the bodies are buried, so to speak, you know, like I do now, and that'll be the challenge. But you know, leaving all that is tough, but it's, you know, it's good, I think, to challenge myself reporting on something else and finding a different adventure, um, you know, in my life. Yeah, that's that's going to be exciting. I know you'll have a lot of people here in Nashville following your, your work. Yeah, don't be too hard on it early. Give me a little time first. Are there any plans to eventually return to Nashville? Is that in the cards? I mean, it's not the plans now. I mean, I, I you know, my family is still down here and mm-hmm. uh, I... You know, obviously love Nashville, so I think it could be very possible eventually. Cool. I know there are a lot of people hoping for that. So, anything that I missed that you want to be sure to talk about? No, we really dove into a lot of things there. Um, you know, I mean, I think uh, you know, again, for me, it's it's, it's uh, cool to talk about some of these things on on this podcast as I'm signing off from Nashville. And you know, again, I want people who are still listening an hour into this this interview, uh, to know that I really love doing it. I mean, this is, you know, it's still sort of hard for, I'm going to have to go through some sort of withdrawal, not to be following this stuff, uh, as intently as I am, uh, or, or as I've been used to. I mean, what's, what I always loved about my job is this is stuff like I would have been closely engaged at anyways, kind of like you are. Um, and so to be able to, you know, have the front seat at it and get paid, to be reporting on it was, you know, definitely, you know, something I've loved and it's kind of, you know, been my life. So, so it's, it's tough to sign off again. Yeah. I mean, leave Nashville, but I'm looking forward to, to uh, particularly get back to Laura, my uh, uh, fiance mm-hmm. and, and, and start a life up there. That's very exciting. You'll be missed here. Uh, best of luck in Boston. And thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's a real, it's a real pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Views that I express on this podcast and on my social media accounts are mine alone and do not reflect the views of the Metropolitan Government of Nashville and Davidson County.